Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're glad to be here with you this morning. We're glad that you're joining here. We're hailing from Cajun Land, USA, where we're here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. Our goal is to promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And we are here to, uh, to empower you, the listener, to being, knowing, and doing, impacting the world around you. And, of course, as always, you're welcome to join us in this illuminating journey and do so by calling the phone line 347-237-5230. We have the chat line up and ready, chat room up and ready if you uh, want to share in that way. It's up and running. And I'm glad because we've been having problems with that, so I'm glad that uh, it's up and running. Hit us uh, up on email, com at gmail.com. We're on Skype, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, wherever, whoever, however, we are there. And um, we want to say thank you. So uh, before we get started, I want to wish my godson, DeMonte Urquhart, a very, very happy birthday today. I tell you, they grow old fast, but uh wants to know, uh, I'm thinking about him. He's in school, so he won't be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but he's going to be excited that he his name was mentioned on air this morning. And uh, so, happy birthday, Monte. Uh, Don't you skip school today. (laughs) Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we want to say thank you for today. Thank you for your love and your life and everything that's good and perfect that comes from you. We just thank you for what you're going to do in the show and how you're going to lead us today. We pray that you bless it and God be glorified and let your people be edified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh, man, this has been an interesting week. Scandal. Scandal, scandal, scandal. I tell you, from General Petraeus, Petraeus, is that, yeah, General Petraeus, uh, to Elmo, (laughs) to uh, Secession, and we're going to talk about a little bit about all of that today. That's 
that's a whole lot. Uh, but we're going to talk. We're going to talk about all of those things today. Um, really interesting. Jump right into this uh, General Petraeus issue in adultery, and <clears throat> excuse me, what's going on with him? And you know, it's been interesting watching this develop. All the intertwinings of the emails, and you know, it seems to be weirder by the day, but. The nature of the world today is getting weirder and weirder. I, you know, <laughs> discretion is one thing, but uh, you know, th- this guy uh, or the pe- the person parties involved in this whole situation is just wow. Really, I I, I just don't understand it. Uh, you know, I in the the sound the short sound bites are not helping. You know, they're just getting giving out little by little things. Little information, but you know, it's I, I I have to say he did the admiral thing by stepping down, resigning as uh, director of CIA. However, um, you know, he could be subject to uh, well, not military law. Uh, he's he's retired, so. But it's it's interesting that there are at least I think there's about twenty two, twenty four states, uh, including his home state of Virginia, where adultery is still a crime. Adult, yeah, I, I said that adultery is still a crime, um, although it's not it's not pursued criminally uh, unless it's in a you know a divorce divorce case uh, where it's not pursued. But it's brought up both you know in divorce in divorce cases that's that it's brought up adultery of course. But it's still it's still on on the books as a as, as a crime, so it's just interesting that um. You know, uh, and, and same thing with the sodomy laws. You know, there's still sodomy laws on the books in so many states. So it makes him wonder about that. Uh, and of course, he by him being in the military, uh, had he been active, if he had been an active general, uh, he would be subject to a court martial because the military, uh, there, you know, they have very very strict laws regarding uh, fidelity. You know, not just fidelity to the country. You know, they don't want you to be treasonous, but fidelity to uh, you know your family. It's still a crime to uh, commit adultery, and you're subject to martial court martial in the military. Um, it's a very serious crime. But um, you know, and it is undercover, uncovering a lot of things. I, I was reading somewhere uh, about privacy issues regarding emails and. Uh, of course, because this was an FBI investigation, you know, privacy was thrown out the door. You know, people still have forgotten it. We're still under the Patriot Act that Bush established um, shortly after uh, the 9-11 war where, you know, federal uh, wiretapping and things like that. You know, uh, it's still – it is still a law and it's still being active even under President Obama who – uh, campaign that he would uh, eliminate it or, or something to that nature, and and yet we still have it. Um, private citizens' rights are being in, in, infringed upon. You know, privacy is being infringed upon, uh, especially if you're speaking against President Obama. You know, uh, they're they're watching and they're listening, and <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't come after me. <laughs> no, but but. Um, it's 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 very interesting how this is going to pan out and how it's going to affect overall affect 
uh, privacy of the individual privacy, uh, and and their biggest concern is uh, whether matters of national security have been um, uh, have been lost, have been in, in some ways traversed, if some ways um, compromised, and then, and we'll find that out. But uh, continue to pray for portrayers and things of that nature, and uh, who knows what's going on. What led to it? Infidelity is nothing. Uh, it's n- nothing to celebrate, and I've never understood, and I still don't understand uh, how some people can celebrate infidelity. Uh, uh, take, for instance, uh, Saturday night. Those who watch the Oprah Winfrey uh, Network, you watched uh, Yana Van Zandt's show, where the wife of a pastor here, well not here, but in, in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, was asking for assistance regarding um, saving her marriage. And, and the situation was that the husband, who was a pastor, um, was uh, involved with several ladies in this congregation, I believe the story is accurate. And uh, uh impregnated one of the ladies on the show, I mean in, in the church and the 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 wife, the first lady of the church had to had to deal with it. Had to had to say, you know, had to come to the conclusion that that um she needed help. She wanted to. She either wanted to save her marriage or walk away. And I believe she had already uh, walked away, but um, was still interested in, in saving the marriage. And the pastor, um, who's you know been cheating and was continue to cheat and. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, how were they going to deal with it? And I, you know, I admired it, like like General Petraeus and dressing in and, and, and nipping in, in the bud. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you watch the television show Scandal, I I I, I felt like that was a live, <laughs> you know, that was real life version of, of the TV show Scandal. And, and I saw one of my friends come in about it on on Facebook, and I was like, wow, I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> This was real life, wow, you know, like uh, like art imitating life, imitating art kind of thing. But hey, that's the way of the world. Some, you know, um, um, you know that you have to wonder why would why would a man, you know, step out on his wife? There's several reasons, and as a pastor and as a counselor, I have. To, I've had to deal with that, and even in my personal life, my first marriage, I had to had to I had to deal with the issue of infidelity. Um, you know, it's not it's not it's not something that happens overnight. It's something that's progressive, and uh, in, in most cases, you know, it's progressive. Several factors play, but then there are those there are those just downright dogs. You know, those those men, those women who have no, you know, the ring doesn't matter to them. Whether it's their ring or somebody else's, it does not matter to them, and, and that's a sad state of affairs for for the church as well as for you know for 
any individual. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, he has resigned and brings up all questions about um, about fidelity and, and national security. Of course, you know, you, this brings brings back memories of Clinton when the uh, Republicans were adamant about bringing up Clinton's uh, sexual liaisons uh, or whatever it may be. But nonetheless, I digress. I just thought it was interesting. I I don't know if it's a, do you think it's a noble thing that he did? Was it noble or not? We have yet to find out. Uh, and um, hey, it may have been May have been, may not have been. We we will we will never know. But hey, that's the nature of government. Um, second scandal of the week. Second scandal of the week. <sighs> Poor little Elmo. Kevin Clash, the fifty-two-year-old puppeteer. By Well, looks like I got disconnected somehow, so we're trying this a different way. So bear with us uh, for the technical difficulties. We do apologize, but uh, we are doing our best to to fix that situation. We uh, tried to, I don't know what happened that caused shutdown, but uh, we are still here. So we apologize for the delay. We're going to do what we can to make sure that everything gets to, uh, to working properly. We can get back on the air. I am <clears throat> I am calling via telephone right now. So uh, again, like I said, the system is down. We're going to do whatever we can to to uh, get that back up so we can make sure everything works for us. But uh, before I was so rudely interrupted, <laughs> I don't know what caused it, but before I was so rudely interrupted, we were <clears throat> segue into a discussion on. <clears throat> Excuse me, Kevin Clash, the 52-year-old puppeteer behind Sesame Street character Elmo, uh, who has stepped away because of allegation of uh, underage uh, relation, improper uh, relationship with an underage male. Uh, on Monday, it was reported that the 52-year-old was involved with an anonymous 20 uh, young man and who said they had a relationship that began when he was at the age of 16. Uh, the now 24-year-old male has since recanted his story. They, uh, he went public on TMZ. TMZ uh, reported the, the story on Monday. And, of course, Mr. Clash vehemently uh, denied, said that it was a relationship between two consenting adults. And those two consenting adults just happen to be uh, of the same sex, and it forced him. It forced him to come out the closet, and I, you know, it made me wonder about it. It made me wonder quite a bit of things. As a matter of fact, the first thing I was wondering was, um, how does this affect Elmo? How does this affect his audience, his children? And of course, when the story broke, the headline was uh, Elmo puppeteer involved with underage 
child, you know, something like that. I can't remember exactly how it was, but that's how it went. And and um, you know, it, it was just one of those things. Uh, this has thrown me completely off. This this uh, it, it seems like I'm rambling. It's because this whole system crash has thrown me off, and I'm trying not to end the show too early. Um, and I may have to end up doing that, but what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to take a quick break, and hopefully we can regroup and get everything back together, and we'll see uh, how that comes out. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this. season in years. All because so many people wanted to visit us in Louisiana. They came to see us in Florida. Nice try. They came to hang out with us in Alabama. Once folks heard Mississippi had the welcome sign off, they couldn't wait to get here. This year was great, but next year is going to be even better. And anyone who knows the golf knows that winter is prime time fun time. Sun's out. The water's beautiful. You can go deep sea fishing for amberjack, grouper, and mackerel. 
Our golf courses are open. Our bed and breakfast have special rates. And migrating waterfowl from all over make this a bird watcher's paradise. So if you missed it earlier this year, come on down. If you've already been here, come on back to Mississippi, Florida, Louisiana, Alabama. The Gulf's America's getaway spot, no matter where you go. So come on down and help make 2012 an even better year for tourism on the Gulf. Brought to you by BP and all of us who call the Gulf home. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And uh, again, uh, last hour, last segment, we had experienced great technical difficulty. Uh, matter of fact, the entire show was <laughs> somehow was uh, disconnected. And uh, but we want to apologize for that. I think we got it on the way. We're using alternative means of communicating, and we are going to get back on track. So uh, we're trying to stay ahead of this, uh, whatever it was that caused it to happen, and we're going to make sure that we uh, address it and, and try to get a little I, I tell you, a live anything, you know, you have to, <laughs> you always have to be on your feet. You always have to be prepared for it. And um, so uh, I thank you guys for bearing with me. I appreciate it. And, again, if you want to get on the air, 347-237-5230, that's the number to call. Uh, help us out. Uh, keep us on. And I, I want to express my appreciation to you for listening, and we're growing daily, and uh, I, I'm just glad about that. Uh, anyway, before the break, before I uh, had to cut to the break to address the technical issues, we were talking about uh, uh, Kevin Clash, who is the puppeteer behind Elmo, and the allegation of sexual impropriety uh, misconduct with uh, underage male. And, and as I said, uh, it's, it, on Monday, TMZ, uh, the gossip television show or a gossip show, whatever it is, gossip news uh, media uh, outlet broke the news, broke the story, and saying that this yes this uh, person came to them alleging that he and Clash had been involved since he was 16 years old. And Clash responded um, by stating that it was a consensual relationship between two adults a relationship between two consenting adults, and it forced him uh, to come out the closet. Um, last year, um, um, he was the uh, had a documented class, had a documented about his life that was made called Being Elmo, Puppeteer's Journey. And, you know, up until last year, a lot of people didn't know that the person who operated Elmo was a black man, you know, just like the person who was behind Barney was a black man. And so, um, uh, you know, it 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 scared the hell out of some people. <laughs> I, I I'm saying that I I'm laughing. I'm saying it in, in a jovial manner, but it really did. Because here you had I mean think about it. He was homo, he is homosexual. He's black. He's a male who plays with puppets. You, you know, and uh, for for the white people who are already in the frenzy 
particularly, and yes, I'm just saying it like it is, uh, you know, white evangelicals who love to boycott anything that doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, holy to them. <laughs> uh, they, I, was, I was asking the question, I said, I wonder when they're going to start, when they're going to, you know, how they're going to boycott Elmo or if they will boycott. I, because think about Elmo, <laughs> I mean, to some families was the holiest of holiest, holies when it came to, uh, you know, puppeteering and whatever it may be. Of course, I'm exaggerating that. Now, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating that a great deal, but but that was the case. Uh, you know, you had people who greatly admired the character Elmo, and to discover that the character's puppeteer, the character's handler, was oh he is homosexual you know it just makes you wonder how will they react to that how how would they how would they react you know what 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 is going to say are they going to limit their child's watching of Sesame Street or are they going to now demand that uh, PBS be defunded <laughs> since you know the rhetoric may come across that it is promoting homosexual um, I don't know what I'm saying. Those things that are ungodly, uh, because if the handler of Elmo is homosexual, then it can be inferred that Elmo himself, the character, the puppet, the inanimate object that comes to life by the handler, uh, is homosexual. Now, of course, again, I am, I am doing this, and, and yeah, you know, I'm just taking the liberty to do so. But again. It's my show. I can do that. Uh, but what what is that the case? Will that be the case? Is um is it that likely that they will call for boycotts from the the puppet because of the handler? And if that is the case, um, you know, is it is it warranted for such? I mean, and 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 and, and now uh, I just read today the uh, the the person who alleged made the allegation has since recanted saying that it's false. And it's just a lover's quarrel. You know, maybe he was mad that they broke up or something. I don't know. You know, you don't know what this, behind the, the, what the motive is behind the man, the young man. But it's clear that he was out to really damage uh, Clash's reputation. And Clash himself has stated, these are his words, he stated that, um, he said he is a gay man, and he's never been ashamed of being homosexual or tried to hide it, but he felt it was a personal and private matter. Now, and, and you, you know, you have to admire that. To those who were around him, he, he, he didn't try to hide it. Now, if you watch the documentary, you will see he has a family. He has a daughter, uh, a teenage daughter. He has a, uh, 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 you know, a very supportive family. And when I, I watched the documentary, uh, and, you know, I didn't think it strange too much that he wanted to be a puppeteer. Um, I didn't think it strange that he developed the character Elmo. I didn't think that strange at all. Um, I, I did not think that he was gay or lacked Because if you see him, uh, you know, you would never assume that he was homosexual. You know, he, he was one of those manly men kind of... <laughs> 
he doesn't have effeminate qualities that I know, I perceive. I could be wrong. You know, I'm just watching BNT television, so I, I can't really say. But but the reality is that, you know, now his life has been turned upside down. His uh, reputation has been tarnished. And his relationship between children of the world has now come into question. Uh, how a parents, you know, now how a parents deal with the issue that, you know, as I stated before, he's homosexual, and you know, with with these parents now feel that um, that they are infringed upon. That's what they like to say, you know, government is infringing upon our rights, and now PBS allowing this gay man to handle a puppet who's so wildly popular. Uh, it's a lot. It, it's, it's quite a lot, but, you know, I'm reading too much into it. It, it may not be that at all. It may it may not, may actually help. may actually help. I don't know, but that's just me. I, I'm praying for the brother, you know. I, I know there's a lot going on, and, and the only thing you can do is pray for him. So do that, and, um, you know, you go from there. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back from this break, we'll get to our second subject uh, uh, about secession. Um, I, 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 I tell you, this just has been crazy, uh, cra- uh, one crazy week. I got a couple of things we're going to play, play for you that uh, audio clips are going to play for play. Not pray for it, but pray for you. <laughs> Regarding uh, the outcome of the election, and people are still so upset, very upset about this election. And, and the question I have to you is, do they have a, a reason and right to be, and uh, should they be? So we'll be back right after this. guys wearing the suits. 
They're not thinking like suits. What it comes down to is this. Today, you don't have to be one to wear one. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Listen, this is the holiday season. And there are a lot of people that might be coming to your home looking for a good food, and good fun, and good fellowship. And you want to make sure that those who come to your home, you have the perfect centerpiece for that good Thanksgiving meal that you're going to have next week. And I want to let you know that Incredible Edible Creations has the perfect Thanksgiving centerpiece for your family gathering this year. While your family will wonderfully sculpted edible centerpieces that include fruit, candy, and other good stuff, I mean, you name it, they can make it for you. The folks at Incredible Edible Creations will give you the best deal that's going to make your holiday gathering exceptionally wonderful. I want to give them I want you to give them a call and let them see what they can do for you. That's Incredible Edible Creations, 903-445-5318. Let them create for you the best Thanksgiving dinner centerpiece that's going to amaze your family members and make them come back wanting more. That's Incredible Edible Creations, 903-445-5318. Give them a call today and let them make you something great for this Thanksgiving season. The Game of Life with the Prius C, a high-stakes world where some descend into total loserdom while others triumphantly return home to their Tudor houses. The real game of life is no more forgiving, but luckily you're ready to grab it by the throat and jujitsu it into submission. And with all the important things to do and places to go, you're going to need a game piece that will move you to the next level. That car, my friends, is the all-new 53-mile-per-gallon rated Prius C from Toyota. Yeah, 
Um, it's a wonderful thing to do. And again, we want to say we appreciate you for sharing with us while we've been dealing with this uh, technical setback. One setback leads to set up. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for joining in with us today. Here, I empower you um, and to liberate you, cause you to think, cause you to act, impact the world around you. So uh, last segment we talked about. Um, Betrayers. We talked about. We talked about. Um, excuse me. Elmo, and uh, now we're going to talk about this last last segment here, the last moments that we have. That I'm going to try to make it through without having any other difficulties. Um, the post-election trauma that's going on. It's amazing to me what's going on in in uh, our country. The division that has occurred that was already there but has um, widened uh, since the re-election of Barack Obama as president. Now, I, I'm i like many persons. Uh, I respect those who are in authority. I may not agree with them. Um, if I voted for them, I would support them wholeheartedly. If I didn't vote for them, I would support them in prayer and and um, you know, fall in line as best I can without infringing upon uh, uh, the rights of others or, or uh, biblical principles, and not the biblical principles that I think I want to follow, but the ones that are mandated to follow. Uh, and that, of course, is where we are instructed to pray for those who are in authority of us and um, to submit ourselves to the authority of government because it is acts as a minister of, of God for our benefit, according to what Paul wrote. And we discussed a little bit about that last week. And um, it's just it just grieved my heart. And I was reading it uh, that about 32 states have now uh, allowed individuals to sign petitions that would uh, uh, force secession from the union. Now, now the way it's been uh, coming across and presented in the media it's presented as if the states themselves, the governors and legislators of the states, filed the petitions. But no, it's individuals from states, uh, from select states, who have gone to the White House organiz- uh, White House website, WhiteHouse.gov, uh, or something like that. I, I think that's where, where you know you can make a petition. And the way the petition works is you have twenty-five thousand. You have to get twenty-five thousand signatures. For the position, for the petition to be taken into consideration and uh, forwarded to the proper officials and go forth from there. And so the media has been presenting it as if these states listed have actually determined that they will secede peacefully from the the United States from the Union, uh, beginning with Texas and Texas has surpassed the amount, Texas and Louisiana, my home state, and I, I'm telling you, I, I'm very, very shameful uh, to mention my home state as one of these uh, states in which those individuals are petitioning for secession. They have succeeded, They have exceeded the number, the 25,000 signatures required for the inquiry to be forwarded to uh, the White House officials. And I, I say that I, I, I say that because 
<laughs> you know, you really, really, really have to question the motives and the motivation behind uh, these petitions of secession. Now, the general argument is that they are they are saying that the country is on the way to a direction that is ungodly and whatever that may be. But again, you know, while that may be, I I, I won't say accurate because, again, I don't know. Uh, I will say that there are social issues, and I stick with social issues, that uh, are are challenging to Scripture. Uh, and and um, those of us who adhere to Scripture as infallible, uh, inerrant, I guess you could say, and full of authority. And I'm not talking about King James Version Bible. I'm just talking about if you see Scripture in its entirety in that way. Did you see, uh, yes, you would, you would have a sense of conflict by some of the social issues that are uh, either being neglected or are being accepted, depending on um, your 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 end, where you, where you think it is. But anyway, um, so these states have petitioned to secede from the union, and in doing so, they are citing both religious and um, national issues to do so. I want to play a quick clip. Um, I played this before uh, of Pat Robertson, and then I have another uh, quote here from um, former president of from uh, Robert Jeffers, who is the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and, um, and you know, of course, they made a very historic election with the uh, election of Fred Luter as the first black president of the Southern Baptist Convention. But we'll talk about that. Later. Let me play this quick clip in where uh, Pat Robertson has a conversation with God, and God told him who would be the next president. Of course, he is, you know, he basically says, I can't tell you who God said it would be, but trust me, it's not going to be, it's implied that it's not Obama. So let's take a listen to this clip, and we'll come back with some more commentary after this. I uh, spent the better part of a week in prayer and just saying, God, show me something, and I'll share with you. Uh, some things I'll share with you. I think he showed me about uh, the next president, but I'm not supposed to talk about that, so I'll leave you in the dark. <laughs> probably just as well. Probably just as well, but I think I know who it's going to be. All right. I'm going to read just what I wrote down, and I'm as if I'm hearing from the Lord these words. Your country will be torn apart by internal stress. A house divided cannot stand. Your president holds a radical view of the direction of your country, which is at odds with the majority. Expect chaos and paralysis. Your president holds a view which is at the odds with the majority. It's a radical view of the future of the country, and so that's why we're having this division. This is a spiritual battle which can only be won by overwhelming prayer. The future of the world is at stake because if America falls, there's no longer a strong champion of freedom and a champion of the oppressed of the world. There must be an urgent call to prayer. Okay. And then uh, the Lord said, a time of maximum stress and peril greater than at any time since the CBN ministry began. This country will begin disintegrating. Now, I thought... When did we start this place? I started 
uh, CBN in, in, I think, 1960. Mm -hmm. uh, we had, uh, uh, you think of all the things that went on. You have the assassination of the president, the assassination of Martin Luther King. You've got a war in Vietnam. You've got all these things. He said it's a worse stress than before. So I'm saying, God, uh, let me give you some some. some suggestions, and you tell me if any of them is right, you know, pick one. So I said, is it an EMP blast? No, that isn't it. Uh, is it a cosmic or solar radiation blast? No. Uh, is it the Mayan galaxy alignment? No, it's not that. Which will shock many. Is it Iranian or North Korean nuclear threat? No. Is it an earthquake or a volcano? No. Is it a massive power failure? No. What is it? It's an economic collapse, and God said, and I quote, this is not my judgment. They are bringing it upon themselves. Yeah. All right, that was uh, Pat Robertson, who's, of course, the founder of uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network and 700 Club. And I'm I'm be honest with you, Pat Robertson over the years has kind of gotten off the rocker. He said some things that just way out in left field, and he has become more of a, a, a nuisance than profit or, as you know, he's become more of a, you know, he's just out of, out of line. And so, so he says God spoke to him. And he said he initiated the conversation by asking God to tell him something, not anything specific, not anything, uh, uh, you know, regarding to uh, concerning the election or anything. He just said, tell me something. And, and so what he hears is God tells him who the next president is, and he has not yet confirmed since uh, the election whether, because, uh, you know, he was told not to, to say it, but it can be implied that the next president would not be Barack Obama. Again, it can be it, it, it's, it can be implied. It's not a long, you know, it's not long, it's not out of, you know, it wouldn't be out of order to, to imply that he he was honestly believing that the, that the next president would not be a Democrat, it would not be Barack Obama to begin with. And then he goes on to talk about uh, the end of America. And how God said this is not his judgment. Now, here are two things I have, two issues I have with that. First, um, I, I want to make this explicitly clear. The United States is not explicitly found anywhere in Scripture. Any involvement in Scripture that we have or is all is, is implied, is, is inferred. Uh, when you talked about uh, there are a lot of those who, who call themselves prophecy experts, and when they go to Revelation and Daniel and they extract these singular scriptures regarding end time, uh, they extract them from a Western perspective. They don't put them in the context of the writer. They don't put it in the thought process of the writer. Uh, for example, the writer of Revelation had no idea. You know, we cannot say definitely that he was thinking about the United States of America when he talked about the end time. He he was, however, in direct contact with Roman opposition, the Roman government, and the uh, the power and corruption and the idolatry of the Roman Empire at that time was very present. It was very it was you know it was very much so uh, a threat to the Jewish religion and the Christian religion or the believers of the way at that time. So 
it was very much a real threat that that there was be this person who would be against Christ, the Antichrist, the one who would be against Christ. Um, so in that context, yes, there was a reason for him to write to these churches. There was a reason for him to write those this letter, uh, this apocalyptic letter, because it was of a necessity. And, uh, you know, for at least two centuries later, the people were still expecting the return of Christ. And even now, here we are, nearly 20 centuries later, 21 centuries later, since Christ's death and resurrection, and we are yet anticipating. Does that mean that he's not coming? No. No man knows the day or the hour, but it will come like a thief in the night. So we just need to be ready, as Christ warned, you know. We need to be ready. Uh, Only God the Father knows when his return will come, and only God the Father is in control of that. That's the sovereignty of God. And so he he asks God, uh, it presents to him various equations, you know, various situations of how the U.S. would be destroyed. And it's sad that he would even think about think about that. You know, Korea, uh, uh, he, what was it, uh, magnetic pole, you know, pulse, all all the country, you know, and, and, and now here's the thing. God is a God of judgment. Christ says, and, and Scripture says that, uh, there's a point of months, man to die, and after death, there's the judgment. And we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, uh, uh, but prior to that, the Hebraic think, uh, thought process regarding judgment rested in the Old Testament, how God related to his people through uh, by way of judgment. If they followed the law, they were blessed. If they went against the law, they were cursed and subject to judgment. In other words, when they, as long as they pleased God, they prospered. When they displeased God, you know, they were in disarray of some kind. You know, there would be an enemy come in and destroy them. It, it led to eventual captivity twice for both uh, for both tribes, the northern tribe and the southern tribe. Um, it led to captivity, and it led to the um, the dissemblance of the temple, um, and it led to eventual scattering of the people throughout the world that uh, now we believe who have been coming back into this newly established secular state of Israel. And why why, why is all this important? Well, because, you know, uh, Western evangelicals, particularly here in the States, are strong proponents of the Israeli state. And so when you call for things like secession in the States, and, and you put them within a religious context of of servitude, or, or better yet, not servanthood, but you put them within a religious context of uh, fulfilling prophecy, biblical prophecy, trying to force biblical prophecy. I believe that you, uh, those people, are out of order for one, and I believe too, those people are more ignorant of biblical uh, prophecy. Than, than anybody who doesn't know biblical prophecy at all. I believe they those persons are using religious uh, religious zeal as a means of uh, exploiting people. And you have thousands of people, hundreds of thousands actually, uh, signing these petitions, uh, based, some based from religious zeal, some uh, may be motivated by, by uh, racism, some just are motivated because they feel there's uh, a, 
a true uh, attack on states' rights. But then again, historically, that is what caused the Civil War. Civil War was not the United States Civil War was not because of slavery as taught in schools, but it was an issue of states' rights. And um, the argument is that um, that government should be limited, and I'm I'm completely for that. Government should be limited uh, without restricting freedoms. Now, there is no sense of restricted freedom anywhere in this country at this present moment. None. I mean, they have the right to petition the White House for secession. That's anyway. Uh, in, in the 19th century, prior to the, uh, they they didn't petition Congress. They just did it. Uh, they the, the legislators voted. The the citizens didn't do it. The legislators voted. The people, you know, of course, were influenced by the legislature and supported it. But uh, here you have individuals trying to manipulate government. And manipulation of government falls out of order. It's, uh, that, it itself is a direct um, violation of the sovereignty of the states, the sovereignty of the government, uh, United States. And, uh, uh, so I, I, I said all that because the question I asked uh, at the opening of, uh, is where, what does this mean for the, for the church? What does this mean for the church? When you have people petitioning to secede from the union, it indicates, it's an indicative fact, uh, it's indicative of a sense of division in the country. But is that division in the country reflected in the division of the church? And, of course, we know that the church is divided, particularly the black church is divided on social issues. Social issues are the driving component for all the mess that we're experiencing uh, politically and economically uh, in government today. Social issues drive the sense of entitlements that some people have. Social issues drive the sense of protest. Um, issues of abortion and same-sex marriage drove people to the polls to, like in, in North Carolina, uh, to vote again on something they had already recognized, uh, uh, you know, same-sex marriage. The tension between the social issues is what's driving a wedge between the country. And who is leading, who is the one that's pushing these social issues, pro, con? Uh, of course, it's members of the church and Members, non-members non of the church. Uh, let me show you a quick quote uh, by uh, Robert Jeffries, who is the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Of course, the Southern Baptist Convention is the largest Protestant uh, denomination in the United States. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's the largest in the world, but certainly in the United States with, uh, I want to say, between 15 and 18 million members. Um, and being so, um, you know, they have a lot of clout because here in the South, even though the Southern Baptist Church is, uh, you'll find them across the country, but a large, uh, a large portion of them are here in the South, and in the South they take it seriously. And I can talk because I was a former uh, Southern Baptist minister. Uh, but look what he says here. He says, uh, this is taken from the Black Christian News Network, uh, so you can go to BCE, bccen.com and you'll find this article along with several more uh, that um, 
blackchristiannews.com. I'm sorry, it's the website, www.blackchristiannews.com. Uh, you'll find this article along with others. And I'm, I'm a, uh, there's another one I want to pull up. But here's what he says. Uh, uh, he says, President Barack Obama is choosing to lead the United States, is paving the way for the future reign of the Antichrist. Um, said that the last seven years of government will be a dictatorship under the Antichrist. Now that's a that's a very bold statement. One is bold because he's acting in the role of prophet, as if he's as if he's speaking with the authorities. And the words are are, are not uh, implied. He's saying as if is this is definite. This is a sure thing. And um, we we don't know that, and and you know I believe in prophecy, but I, I believe also that uh, the prophets of God, in the Old Testament, as Scripture says, spake as they were moved upon by the Spirit of God. They didn't speak in reaction to; they spoke before. What we are having is uh, this man speaking in reaction to an event. And if he is speaking in reaction to an event, then therefore it is it negates the the the, the thing that it is prophetic, that it is adamant, that it is uh, altogether going to get that is definite. So it negates that he's speaking as one who has authority that this is going to happen. And of course, he's speaking from the perspective of the religious. Uh, factor was saying that uh, he, like many other evangelicals, believes that religious freedom would be infringed upon. And um, from this perspective, he's saying that because of the election of Barack Hussein Obama on last week, we're going to see that this is the beginning of the end for the United States of America. And of course, there are a lot more people expressing this, this these same sentiments. Um, but again, if that is the case, wouldn't we be better off allowing it to play out if that's the case? Because if we, well, let me stop. Let me. I'm not. I'm not saying play out because that that that, that uh, who's in charge? If we're saying God is in charge, uh, then our role would to follow would be to follow uh, the commands of God. And if it's God, I mean, the, the children of Israel during time that they were governed by God, they had prophets on the scene, the Spirit of God wasn't uh, active in 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 the believers as it is today. Um, during that time they had prophets, they didn't know uh, what would befall them, but they did know that something would befall them because they were in express disobedience. You read, read throughout um, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Samuel, uh, well, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, particularly, 1 2 Chronicles, particularly, you will find where these kings, these rulers of the people, intentionally went against God. It's not like they didn't, they weren't aware. They intentionally went against God. Of course, when you go back and you read through Numbers, and you find also where while they were in the wilderness, people intentionally murmured against God, and they suffered the consequence of that, which was uh, for them uh, not being able to go into the promised land. Everybody over the age of 20 was not able to go into the promised land. And, you know, you see, you see that kind of thing. We we don't live under those conditions today. And, and trust me, we don't want 
to live under a theocracy. And for those who are uh, trying to implicate that America needs to be a, the- a theocracy, they, they, they really don't want that because you barely, uh, honestly, you know, most people aren't, are barely following God in their in their daily lives, and to have God lead them as a as a sole authority. Oh my goodness, they wouldn't be able to handle that. You know, they barely follow the commands of God with the preacher, <laughs> and the preacher is barely following the commands of God, and, and and you know, a lot of disorder and disarray. So, you know, what's to be expected? But here he speaks with he speaks as, as if he has authority, and, and my question is, by what authority does he have to make the statement? By what authority does he have the, the authority, I mean, by what authority does he have to be able to say that uh, because of Barack Hussein Obama being president, that the states, uh, the United States is um, being led to the Antichrist? Um uh, and, and the rhetoric here is is nothing different that is being said that was being said during the time of Paul, time of the apostles. Um, you know, uh, there were those among the apostles who were speaking the same thing, and they were, uh, as Paul wrote in, in uh, Philippians, there were those who were preaching the gospel, hoping to shame, put Paul to shame. They, you know, they weren't preaching it to to bring uh, a greater awareness of the kingdom of God towards repentance, as Jesus was doing, they, uh, and as John the Baptist were doing, or they weren't bring, they weren't preaching it to bring salvation to the Gentiles, as Paul was doing. They were bringing, they were preaching it to bring shame, and Paul had to reassure believers that they had to continue in the faith, the faith that he taught them. You read throughout his letters. Um, that are attributed to him, you'll find where he say, uh, remember what I tell, told you, you know, stay in what I taught you. Don't be deceived by whatever, everything. And he even so far as, uh, I believe it's Galatians where he says, that even if an angel comes and teaches something otherwise, ignore it. <laughs> I mean, you can't get any more, can't get any more uh, stronger than that. So, let uh let me go on and finish. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm getting excited. Let me go on and finish the statement here where uh, Jefferson is, is, is completing this statement. He said, it means during the last seven years there will be no freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom of commerce. America, as we know it, will be gone by the last seven years of the Great Tribulation. America is going to end, the Bible says, because this world is going to end. He said sermon Sunday morning doing uh, worship, uh, doing mess, a message titled Hope and No Change. Now, 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 while I agree with this part, if you believe in Scripture and if you believe that there will be a period of tribulation, um, of course, every country is going to experience that. It's not explicitly stated, again, uh the tribulation is not explicitly stated. This is a, is a developed idea that uh, has developed over periods of time. And again, it was uh, limited, constrained within a particular demographic and uh, geographic land area. You know, you're talking about Israel, you're talking about Palestine, you're talking about the Middle East, you're talking about particularly the area um, that will be known as Armageddon, the Valley of uh, Megiddo. Uh, I hope I said that right. I don't have my, you know, uh, Dead Valley, Henan, uh, Gehenna, all those areas. Uh, 
that that area, you know, uh, that area in particular is uh, what the author was experiencing. Uh, that's where they lived, traveled, traversed, and uh, and and so biblically, it, it it does not imply, it does not it doesn't say a Western because there was no knowledge of the West. At that time, you know, there was a knowledge of Europe, a uh, small knowledge of Europe. Uh, I doubt if the writer had a knowledge of Europe, but those in the Roman Empire surely had a knowledge of Europe. Um, so as the letters spread, particularly to those in the Christian faith, uh, they would understand that Europe would be included in this. However, there was no understanding of a West as far as the world and um but even in even in that sense, even even in that sense, um, the fact that if there is to be a tribulation, and if there is to be a rapture, some believe, um, however you believe it to be, uh, pre-tribulation, uh, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, <laughs> depending on if you are millennialist, or pre-millennialist, post-millennialist, you know, however you interpret that, you know. Uh, a superlapulationarian or not. Uh, it, it really does depend on all of that. But even in the midst of this tribulation, if we understand the Antichrist to be a person of not only uh, heightened political influence but also religious influence, then yes, there, all of that would be destroyed because there would be, uh, there would be no need for it. Uh, a sovereign nation. There were, a sovereign nation wouldn't exist under uh, a person who is under a, a united world government. And for all those conspiracy theories out there, you know, they're still saying that there's going to be a new world order. Um, even George H.W. Uh, Bush, uh, in his 1991 speech, did about that, talking about there needs to be an establishment of a new new world order, and you know those conspiracy guys go crazy. But again, he's implying that uh, Obama's election has now commenced the beginning of the end, and I'm offended by by you know. I won't say I'm offended, but what can you expect from white evangelicals? I'm not being racist, but here, you know, he's taking Obama's slogan from 2007-2008 of hope and change and using using it in a negative way. How is that building up the people? You're saying hope and no change. Hope in itself infers change is not only possible, but uh, coming. And to say that such, uh, you know, you're setting the people up for a great sense of of disappointment <laughs> by saying that, yeah, you can have hope, hope that God, and he goes on to say that we must continue to do our job of sharing the gospel. The question is, what now is your gospel? Because you're presenting a message of hope and no change, and then you're presenting this dire future by saying that, oh, because we have Barack Hussein Obama as president, that 
the world is coming, you know, the world as we know it, America as we know it has now ended. And and if you want to be right, then you need to accept Jesus Christ, our version of Jesus Christ, because Obama is surely not a Christian. He's going to usher in the reign of the Antichrist. And if you don't want to be a part of this torturous reign of Antichrist and be a part of the tribulation, then you must accept Jesus Christ. And it's our version of Jesus Christ because our version of Jesus Christ is holy and white and righteous, and he's only right for you. And he's not right for everybody else who supported Obama because they people those people have already been deceived, and they're going to buy right into the Antichrist message, and you know they're going to go to hell. I said a lot in there, didn't I? But that's a, I mean, you get you see how far you can go with that, and and if I'm saying that. And I'm a Bible believing, Bible toting, card carrying Republican. <laughs> uh, and imagine the 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 mindset of the millions, uh, and particularly the hundreds of thousands who have made these petitions to secede from the government. Uh, if we continue with this rhetoric, what will it cause? To, I mean, how can the church? Be unified. And Christ himself said, uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And we are clearly facing a divided house, a divided body. Paul wrote, of course, you know, famously in in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he writes about the division of the body and how each member is necessary for the body to function. An eye cannot be a foot, a foot cannot be a hand, a hand cannot be a knee, a knee cannot be a shoulder, so forth and so forth, so on. Each one has its function for the body. And when the body gets out of function, you know, you have cancer. When when a body rebels against itself, it's cancerous. And what we're having is uh, a cancer in the body of Christ, in the church, particularly just here in the States, you know. Uh, and we're watching in Europe because with the uh, election of the new Archbishop of Canterbury, what we're, we're, you know, and we're watching how this it will influence Christianity on the world. Now, one thing we know, one, one, one group we know will be conservative and will not Will not move one boat, one inch right now. <laughs> Probably have, perhaps the greatest and most conservative is that of the Roman Catholic Church. And I'm not saying we should go join the Roman Catholic Church because they're going to bulge on social issues they feel strongly about. I mean, they still believe that using a condom <laughs> is against the will of God. So, you know, hey, no birth control. Uh, but when you look at these social issues and you look at the rhetoric that is presented by the leaders of the, the evangelical leaders of the uh, United States Church, the American Church, um, you see the divisiveness. And when you put, when when uh, when a respective church leader such as Jeffers presents a message like this, well, what do you get? Well, you get more sense of division. You get a greater sense of Causality, not effect. Uh, cause and effect. Uh, this is what caused it, and this is be the effect of it. And, and that does not help one bit. What it does is cause a greater sense of 
anxiety, heightened anxiety among the people. And the people, in turn, react to the anxiety. And so what what you may see is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have people believing that this man is going to create all this craziness, and they themselves, in turn, begin to create the craziness that leads to the economic downfall, that leads to all the other things that Pat Robertson said, leads to all of that. Why? Because the fear creates the activity, the cause. Yeah, and the effect. Look, take a quick break, and after that, we're going to uh, wrap up the show. Um, so stay tuned real quick, and we'll be right back after this. You know, single mothers have a hard job. They have a tough job, but uh, I, I know that a lot of them are very creative people, and, and one of them happens to be an author who written a book of poetry. My friend Cleo Kane wrote a book of poetry titled The Purple Book, and yeah. book of poems. I got a little bit of everything in there, so <laughs> it ain't just all Christian poems. There's a book about everything, life, love, liberation, you name it. She got it in there. So, you know, you might want to pick up a copy of The Purple Book by Cleo Kane on Amazon.com. You'll love it. It's some neat things in there. Hey, you know, it ain't for the faint of heart, I tell you that much, but it's a great read and uh, may even inspire those of you who are single mothers. might inspire you to do some writing on your own. So check it out. That's The Purple Book by Cleo Kane. When mucus piles up in your chest, the congestion can get in the way of your day. That's you with the touch, not the floor. With so few hours in a day, it's not easy keeping a place looking this stressing. You have the magic touch. Maximum Strength Mucinex breaks up the mucus that causes chest congestion. And only Mucinex is a bilayered tablet. One side goes to work fast, the other is long-lasting. Uh-oh. <coughs> what about my condolence? Mucinex is fast-acting and provides long-lasting 12-hour relief. 12 hours? Mucinex in, mucus out. 
Hey friends, if you're in the Jackson, Mississippi area, I would like to take the time to invite you to join myself and the New Bethel AME Church family for a wonderful series of home group studies that we are engaging. Studies include topics such as asking God your hardest questions. Other topics will be discovering every man's battle dealing with sexuality and sexual sins for men. So there's so many other things that we're involved in. And I'd like to take the time just to invite you to come out to New Bethel AME Church in 2202 Decatur Street, Jackson, Mississippi, and join us for these and many other wonderful classes and opportunities just to share in God's Word. Um, always welcome to come, and we'd love to have you there. As New Bethel, come on out and share a time of fellowship and study and insight with us. Thank you. Church 
settling, you know, whether we're going to be deciding whether we be carnal minded or uh, spiritual minded. And if we're spiritual minded, then we um, we uh, we will follow the things of God, and social issues will and and will fall in line to that. You know, it's not about what we think is right or wrong. It's about what lines up with God's word, and not the individual interpretation of such. But uh, again, but anyway. The question is whether it be four more years or four years of intense hate, hatred towards Obama, and not towards Obama, but just black period. You know, think about the the divisiveness in this country regarding blacks, particularly you know those of us who are who are black conservatives. You know, we just get it anyway. <laughs> but but then now think about those who are, are choosing to stand with their party in spite their. Uh, faith, you know, even though the, the party values don't line up with their spiritual values, uh, you know, how to resolve that conflict, that's that's going to be an ongoing challenge the next four years. So we want you not to be unwise. Uh, as Paul said, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning Israel, for they have a zeal for God, but not after knowledge. And uh, again, I think that properly defines the state of America uh, politically It's uh uh, religiously, you know, I think so many people have a, fee, uh, a zeal for uh, for open relationship with uh, the divine, but they're just not trying to know him. You know, it's good knowing about him, and unfortunately, you have uh, these churches that have disenfranchised God from them, from their congregation. They're seeker friendly. They 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 don't preach the cross, and they don't preach Christ and Him crucified. Uh, they want to walk in the power of the resurrection, but you can't have the power of the resurrection without the crucifixion. And if you believe Christ says you must crucify yourself daily, you know, take up your cross, follow him, deny yourself. Until the church does that, um, we won't, we will forever be in this conflict. And I think it's a sad state of affairs. Um, there's a couple of other clips that I wanted to play for you, but I just don't have the time to do it. Uh, uh, David Manning, who pastors uh, in Harlem, New York had uh, four years ago. Of course, he he was never an Obama supporter. Called him a long leg, long leg trick daddy, or something to that nature. But I wanted to play a clip by him, but um, I don't have the time to do that. But you know, this is a time for the church to rise up. I mean, when I say rise up, I'm not talking about as far as politically. I'm talking about far as rising up and raising the standard. Of, of of Christ, raising the standard of the cross and letting the people see that the cross is crucial, that the cross is what matters, the cross is what get, uh, 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 the cross symbolic is what empowers us to live. The cross symbolic is what drives us to operate within the realm of government. The cross symbolic uh, being that it is no one on the cross that Christ rose from the dead. The cross itself is nothing without him having died and rose again from there and the assurance that he's coming back. Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. That conflict can be erased. This conflict can be erased when we get back to the cross and, and, and without dividing the church. The church has one central message and one central purpose. Go out into the world preach the gospel to all, make disciples, teach them, baptize them, and to make disciples. And when we do that, 
we will, I mean, the social, the so, the things, and I have to say this, you know, the reality was Christ was not involved. He was not as concerned about social issues as we are. We have made it to be. And we have the heart of Christ. We, you know, they won't bother us because our flesh will die. Our flesh will fall under control and be subjected to the spirit. There will always be that war. There will always be that conflict. But at least it won't be as great a conflict, and we will be able to see it as it is, and we'll be able to walk in the spirit and not still desire the flesh. And that conflict of the social ills regarding this country will be, will be uh, almost eradicated. But we must do so in a manner that is pleasing to God. We can't do so because we are uh, upset about the outcome of an election. We can't do so because we believe that it's infringing on our religious rights. If it does, God protects us from that anyway. I mean, so government, <laughs> let government infringe. If we believe God to be the God that we've been preaching, that he is the deliverer, like we preach, he, he delivered the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a bad Negro. <laughs> if he did that, he brought Daniel out of the lines then, and like the preacher off uh, coming to America said, he got Gilligan off the island. <laughs> and we believe that him to be that God, then what is it for us to, why, why, what, it's nothing for us to trust him to deliver us in that time of something. So, I mean, we should, you know, we should do our job. We should do our job. Our job is to pray and to preach and proclaim this wonderful message of Christ and him crucified. When we do that, the social social issues won't even be a factor because people will come and God will transform them. As Scripture says, they will be conformed not to the world, but they will be transformed by their renewed mind through Christ. They will not be servants or slaves to sin. They will not yield their members as instruments of unrighteousness but they will realize that they are crucified with Christ and they don't live, but Christ lives in them. And the very life that they live, they live it by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for them. That's Paul in Galatians 2.20. So uh, having said all of that, uh, I think, you know, as we pray, God will be done. Uh, There's nothing more that we can say or to do except to expect the best, except respect what God has for us. To end, you know, and I beg these folks, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I know you're trying to be noble, and I know they might think it's a noble idea to succeed, succeed from this country, but what you're doing is going against God's will. You're going against God. You're saying you can do better than what God did. If the very same people were praying and fasting and saying that God was in control of this election, and the election turns out the way you didn't want to do. You didn't want it, then you know, you just do it. This is what uh, you should do. First, uh, if if your candidate didn't win, you should thank God you live in a country where you have a say who becomes the leader. You pray for the president, pray for his family, pray for his cabinet members, pray for those who are in Congress. You pray for your elected officials and pray that they uh, have a sense of righteous judgment for the people, righteousness for the people, that they will be on the side of the oppressed and not the rich. Uh, Find a way how you can help uh, to the glory of God. Uh, Get more involved in the political process, not in a way that's going to be hurtful, but empowering. So 
that's all I got to say. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Uh, I'm going to get on out of here, and I appreciate you listening. And remember, anytime you miss a show, you can catch an archive show on Zero Today. Just simply log on to uh, Blog Talk Radio Today zero, slash Zero Today. You catch an archive show. Um, we won't be on air next week. So we're going to ask that you just, uh, hey, be with us and continue to pray for us. And we're coming back. Next time we come back, we'll have another interesting discussion, another interesting talk, topic, and I uh, want you to get involved. So until then, say thank you, and God bless you, and we appreciate you listening and tuning in. So come back. <laughs>